Uh, listener beware, you're in for a scare. Today's a spooky episode. We're talking about uh, Day of the Dead, not the 2008 one with Nick Cannon, but the 1985 one with uh, other people I do not know. Matthew, how are you doing? What the fuck was that intro? Tis a gift to be simple, tis a gift to be free. Hello, Matthew, how are you doing? What did I tell you about those? About what? Okay, uh, I'm doing pretty good. Went to the comic book store today. Uh, picked up a Superman comic. Pretty cool. I like Superman. He's he's strong. He punches people. What's Superman's endgame? His, uh, what's his endgame? That's a good question. Um, yeah. I don't know. To just uh, just to help people, I guess. To what to what end? Well, I uh, I guess it's just altruism. You know, he just he, you know. He just loves uh, people. What is Superman going to do when there's no more people to help? That's a good question. There's actually a couple stories. Um, they did action. Co- they published Action Comics 1000 recently, and they did a story where it's like the the Earth is dying because the sun's about to explode, and the only person left on Earth is Superman, and he's still wearing his costume, and he still looks the same age. Uh, and it was done by a good writer, Tom King. So if you want to. Ch- you wanna, if you want to answer that question, that's the best story I can point you towards. Although the rest of the uh, stories in that issue are not too great, to be quite honest. Hmm. So uh, there's your episode of Beyond the Panel for today. Yeah, because I looked at the the page, and you guys haven't really been uploading those. Um, it's not uploading on the site, but we are on the radio. So. Oh, are you? Yes, like, for example, we had an episode this week, we talked about um, Copra, which is a great comic by Michelle Fife. I th- I think, um, I spoke with Brian, I believe it's just an issue with the server or something. As long as it's on the radio, it's fine, but we'll see what we can do about that. Huh. Yeah. Alright. Alright, no more dead air, let's get into it. What what <laughs> what, uh, what are we talking about here? Uh, yeah, we're talking Day of the Dead. Do you want to give a quick rundown of the plot? You don't have to, you don't have to go beginning to end because yeah. it's not that there's not a lot that happens in this movie, but it, the, the movie happens in a pretty logical sequence of events that anybody who's seen a movie or two can kind of deduce. So why don't you give So her... bas- basically this movie um, has no other... Like all of, I mean, like the other two movies, Night and Dawn of the Dead, um, there aren't any reoccurring characters in this movie unless you subscribe to the cop theory that Rhodes is a reoccurring character. Well, isn't uh, that, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but isn't that canon? Isn't I don't know if it's canon. I just remember when we were doing our Dawn of the Dead episode, we realized that that actor was in Dawn of the Dead who plays Rhodes in Day of the Dead. I'm going to assume it is, because those guys were cadets, right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. So, okay. Well, we'll I'll, I'll look into it if I can. Yeah, so anyway. basically, this movie is, I'm assuming, after um, the events of Dawn of the Dead. We don't know how long after, because, like the other two movies, this movie is also pretty timeless. Um, but we can assume logically it's either a short amount of time after because of the exponential growth of the zombie population or, I don't know, a long time after. But there are seemingly very, very few survivors, and the story follows this um, army team which has been tasked with securing uh, or um, protecting the science uh, team that is looking at a way to end this whole zombie apocalypse, and they're doing so in this uh, this bunker that they've secured, free of zombies. They're doing so very poorly, by the way, because apparently their whole job is to protect this crew of big brain scientists, but they can't stop bitching about it the entire time, which is a bit Well, odd. what we find at the beginning of the movie is that their old commander, uh, Commander Cooper... Uh, died and was replaced with now Rhodes, who uh, who's a bit of a hard ass. Oh, he's a hard ass, all right. He's he's got the hardest ass I've seen in a movie character in a long time. Yeah, but I think that I think that's basically the plot there. That is basically the plot. 
let's we want... okay go ahead oh i was just gonna say that we watched this movie um gosh months ago yeah. uh, so this wasn't our first time watching it and i watched it before that too um so i'm not gonna ask uh what were your first thoughts about it so but on your uh sequential viewing what what were your thoughts on it now um you know what I'm going to be honest with you guys, and this might hurt some people, but it wasn't as good the second time. Really? It wasn't as good the second time. I don't know if I was high off of Dawn of the Dead, which is a great film, and this, you know, has many of the same conventions and, and our stylistic choices as Day, Dawn of the Dead part. But I didn't like this movie as much. I, th- I still think it's decent, but I think it's easily the worst of the original trilogy, if we're going to call it, with Night and Dawn. I see. Yeah. Is that, uh, is that a hot take? Um, judging by scores, no. Uh, last time I checked, I think, like, um, on Rotten Tomatoes, Day has like an 80 something and then Dawn and Night both have a 90 something. I see. Um but in my opinion it is but because uh I really like this movie. I think it's uh the second best in the the trilogy and you know we can get into why you and I both think differently right now if you want. Let's let's open the floor and let's get the elephant out of the room right away, okay? Sure. Who was in the wrong between Rhodes and Dr. Logan? Dr. Frankenstein? That was a sticky situation we had there. So one of my favorite performances from this film, actually. And there are some bad performances that I do want to talk about after. But um, we have Dr. Matthew Logan. Mm -hmm. And he is sort of the... And they call him Frankenstein. Not, I'm assuming, just because he dissects human bodies or zombie bodies uh, in an attempt to understand... Uh, the science within but he's also kind of crazy in like a sort of apathetic way where he doesn't realize that the things he's doing are a little bit uh, unconventional or just just straight up pretty gross he's pretty good he plays like this a loose scientist he kind of reminds me of like what would happen if uh herbert west from (laughs) um reanimated grew old and was just kind of like a silly old man where all he cares about is his science and everything else including morals are expendable so he was Mm -hmm. great i liked him uh and then he and of course he brings the best part of the film with his relationship with bub yeah arguably one of the most poignant relationships in all of cinema i would say bub is by far maybe my favorite character in the whole trilogy he's your favorite character in the whole trilogy yeah, I think with this movie, it seems like George Romero was like almost fed up with humans and he found zombies honestly more compelling than the human characters because this movie is basically a fuck you to humanity, really. I mean, the whole mor- mor- uh, moral at the end of the story is basically fuck it. Uh, and they, uh, I mean, basically the character that we empathize maybe the most with is either... Uh, the lead girl, because in, in our in Night of the Living Dead, we said that, I mean, the women in that movie weren't necessarily useless, but they weren't um, really heroines. And then in the second movie, um, what's the lady's name? Fran? She, she became more of a heroine later on. And then in this movie, they have a female lead. Um, uh, sorry, what <laughs> I forget what tangent I was going on here. You were talking about the women in the film. I forget why I went here. Anyways, um, <laughs> basically in this movie... Are you, high just... are you high right now? What's going on here? Don't worry about it. Basically, yeah. I think Bob is the character that we're supposed to empathize with the most other than the main lead. That's what I was, I was getting at. Well, there, there are. that's not to say there aren't some sympathetic characters in the film. And the big, a big part of the conflict of the film is this division you have. You basically have two sides here, which is the military army men uh, toting mm-hmm. their guns around and showing everyone how big their dicks are. And then you have this kind of snebbish scientist group and a few of the other crew who help operations, including piloting the copter or radio operations. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're sort of like the good guys, so to speak. They're the gentler, more logic 
backed us portion of the group of survivors here well the military men especially once under the lead of captain Rhodes, are a lot more um crazy to be quite honest some of them act kind of funny especially Rhodes. towards the end of course he's totally unhinged and his performance in this is is such a mixed bag for me what do you think of it jim uh, Rhodes in this film is portrayed by the uh that guy uh, joseph Pilato. and i was um and the initially when I saw this film, I liked his character just because he was so outlandish. But upon a second viewing and kind of looking at it with a critical eye, it's a very hammy performance. It's kind of bad. I, I like I honestly all three of Romero's movies are just are really campy, and I mean that's what he was going for. He wanted to make weird movies. That's what he said. And Rhodes is just like he's just owning this character. He's just so nuts. I mean, yes, while watching it, I'm thinking, man, this guy is really hamming it up. But I, I mean, it it pays off well. He's entertaining to watch. I'm when he's on the screen, I'm not just like, oh man, can we get this off? This is either bad, like blatantly bad, where it just annoys me, or it's just it's or just sucks. Like I, it's just it's. It's hammy, yes, but I really enjoy when he's on the screen and he's just such like he's such an easy guy to hate, and that's what we want. Uh, he's screaming, and like there's that scene where um, he threatens to shoot. What's uh, I have to know her name or else. Uh, Sarah, Sarah. Uh, yeah, Sarah. He threatens to shoot Sarah for not sitting down, and she's like, "Are you out of your mind?" And he was like, "No." are you? I just threatened to shoot you and you didn't sit down. And like, he just has all these little one-liners, especially like at the end, he has like such a funny one-liner or when Frankenstein comes in and he says, I'm running this monkey farm now, Frankenstein. Uh, I just love it all. He has a lot of one-liners like that. He almost comes off to me as like a joke of like a leading man. Like this is what leading men in the sense that he has these sort of 80s s action one-liners, but they kind of suck, and they're kind of dumb, like that Monkey Farm one. I wrote a couple <laughs> of other ones down, uh, which is like when he discovers, and this is a big point of tension in the film, uh, is after Dr. Logan is discovered to have used the bodies of his soldiers to feed Bub as a reward for him performing human actions. Already dead soldiers, let's just say. Already dead soldiers, okay, you know, I, you know, it depends on your views on the desecration of the dead and mutilation of bodies, I suppose. But he, Jim Rhodes discovers this and obviously he's, goes ballistic uh, <laughs> and he's tell and he, li he lines up Dr. Logan on the wall and Dr. Logan says, please, you have to listen to me. Listen and to this. Listen to this. Bo -bo 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 -bo. And it's the classic, I don't know, it's like an Arnold Schwarzenegger line or, or something even more ham hammy than that. He also has like that, he also, and I understand that a big portion of the film is this kind of symbolic divide here between like, not necessarily totalitarianism, but kind of like authoritative force and, yeah. and more empathetic and, and logical uh, proceedings, I guess, and behavior. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that he's like kind of a dummy when it comes to the sciences, but he says stuff like when they're trying to explain to him like the dynamics of the research, he says, uh, it's just a lot of fancy terms that don't mean a thing. And this, this is stuff like that that I also found funny. I, his character is enjoyable as a villain. He's a compelling villain. And really, I guess he's the only human villain in the, the un, only unambiguously villainous person in the trilogy here because in Night of the Living Dead you know everyone had their own motives and such and there was well I guess the old boomer guy in Night of the Living Dead was very much like so in his ways that it was a detriment so you could say that he might be kind of like a proto Rhodes the thing though was uh, the thing with uh, him was that he was number one kind of right and number two he was like he was definitely set up to be empathetic because he had this wife <laughs> that hated him and he had this sick daughter and such and blah 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 i don't know i found i found this one to be more direct Rhodes is just straight up evil he just likes to kill people basically yeah. he's almost he's almost comically like villainous where he's he's so unhinged it's like a wonder he even passed the psych test to get into the military 
But, I mean, I would assume that like this happened, and we said this like in our Dawn of the Dead uh, review when we found out. It's like he he started out as a happy-go-lucky guy, and then you know the the horror uh, slowly drained his soul. If that, you know what, I'm gonna take that as canon now for sure because that's gonna be my head canon, and that'll give him a a, a little better of an arc, I think. To see mm-hmm. to see this happy-go-lucky dumbass. Uh, turn into this hardened veteran and and go ballistic just because he's seeing his fellow man dying that's powerful Mm -hmm. but actually that's probably not what he meant to do at all so i'm not giving him that credit um there's a couple of other uh, like performances that i guess just didn't age as well on and when i say age i don't mean from the release date to now i mean from my first viewing to my second viewing um okay there's like those, um, we talked about, the, and we've, we've shown numerous examples of this on the show. There's always those two guys, right? Those two, <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm talking about. There's those two guys yeah. in the movie, and they're just dumb, and they're just there to be dumb and bumble about and maybe get a few laughs, and they're always, they're always like the villain's henchmen, and you can laugh. Spike and Iggy. Like Spike and Iggy, it's Steel and Rickles in this, mm-hmm. um, and they have some entertaining moments. Like whenever, whenever a Rickles has to do one of his psychotic laughs where he sounds like the Joker, <laughs> I always appreciated that. There's some good, st- <laughs> there's some good stuff with Private Steel too. But for the most part, they're basically Spike and Iggy, and you're thinking like, why are they acting the way that they are? Their acting is kind of all over the place because initially they act like just as crazy as Rhodes, but they show reluctance to like, and they cannot like even believe that Rhodes would command them to shoot uh, Dr. Bowman. I don't know. I, they're such a mixed bag for me because they're a fun portion of the film. Uh, and they're kind of like, I think the only straight up comedy characters as well that we kind of have in these films. And they do meet horrific ends, don't get me wrong. Uh, and it's still kind of tragic and, and pretty gratuitous. But I found that they were like straight up there for com- comic relief mostly, and they did their job well as 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 uh, flamboyantly as they could, I guess. Yeah, like I for me, I don't think that they were supposed to be serious. Like I think they were just like comedy roles, and it's so I don't know. I just found it so funny. Like there's a one scene where they're rounding up zombies in this corral. And then, like, Rickles is just talking about Steel's dick, and they're just, like, laughing maniacally about it. It's just so left field. He says, like, biggest, every... he says biggest piece of meat in the compound. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, Rickles is just laughing, like, so intensely. It's hilarious. And Steel is, like... I, I, they're supposed to be parody characters for me, because, like, Steel is, like, chewing on the cigar all movie he has it like deep in his throat and brings it up to his lips and then he chews it on it a few times like that thing is out okay there's not a chance in hell you're ever gonna get that thing to light again uh i don't know they're just so funny they're fine and i mean the rest of the performances from the cast are not too bad um i enjoy john the helicopter pilot played by terry alexander he's kind he kind of feels like the magical negro trope where you have this uh, guy who's just uh, spouting witticisms, and he's yeah. being, and he's sort of giving guidance to the characters as sort of the soothsayer. But he's cool. Bill McDermott is just this alcoholic radio operator. He's not that well. Jesus, Mary and That's Joseph. Big problem. That's another big problem with I have with this movie is that in comparison to Night and Dawn, in terms of character study, it's a relative disappointment because in those first two films, you really delve deep, especially in Dawn you really get to kind of examine the human condition, which is kind of not something you would typically expect from a gory, gratuitous zombie film like this. But George Romero pulled it off in an incredible way. And this one doesn't feel as dynamic in terms of the character writing. A big problem with it is that a lot of the time, the characters are emoting just one emotion, which is anger. And the central portion of this film is con- uh, conflict. I believe George Romero at one point had said that this movie is about, quote, tragedy about how a lack of human communication causes chaos and collapse, even in the small little pie slice of society. Mm-hmm. But you don't really get to see, like, the motivations of Sarah Bowman in the way that you get to kind of examine Fran. And in the same way, she doesn't have the same kind of growth that Fran 
or Peter or any of the other Dawn of the Dead main characters had. And that was kind of disappointing for me because the big draw of these movies is that they're not just zombie movies because there are good just zombie movies, but it's a kind of a zombie movie franchise that digs a little deeper and examines these themes and has sharp satire, especially in the second one. So that was kind of rough for me is that not really becoming attached to any of the characters in the film because I just felt they weren't as developed. Yeah, I mean, one thing for me in this movie is that it's kind of like the breaking point of the characters. We didn't really see that much breaking in Night of the Living Dead. We did see it uh, quite a bit near the throughout dawn of the dead but this movie it's like the characters that have been living through this shit are now just really broken and we don't get to see you know that nice gradual change that we do in dawn of the dead because in dawn of the dead society is still kind of functioning right people are still going to their job at the news station or the police are still going out to do their raids on right. uh, the black community uh, but in this movie, they're now broken. Uh, and I guess the, now we kind of get the opposite where they're broken and they say, fuck it. Where in Dawn Hello. of the Dead, they said, let's just run away. And then, you know, they were, they got broken afterwards. I, the big turning point in this movie, I guess, was when Sarah goes to see, uh, McDermott and John in their, at the Ritz, their little, uh trailer park uh, mm. and they had that conversation about how you know like what are you what is really your end game here are you really going to solve this crisis and if you do what 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 are you going to do with it you're just going to put it as in another like you're just going to put the records in here for them to rot as well question i have for you because i was this is another portion of the film that kind of disappointed me we talk a lot about of unneeded romances in films i think you in particular have been critical of that you weren't mm-hmm. a big fan of Holly and They Live. I really took issue with the Miguel Sarah romance angle in here because, number one, and I don't know if this was a deliberate point, but they do not act amicable, to, uh, amicable between each other at all. You cannot yep. tell that they had any feelings for each other. There's no scenes of intimacy shown, like not even a little bit, not even like an arm around the, you know, the shoulders or something like that. It just mm-hmm. came off strange and unconvincing to me. The other thing is I didn't, I wasn't, a, uh, if we're talking about performances that I wasn't a particularly big fan of, I didn't enjoy Miguel's uh, character's performance because it just felt very one note in its sort of suicidal despair. It's the kind of thing where that was done so well on Dawn of the Dead where you had these characters who were fully dimensional. And when you saw them despair, you knew that there was a profound emotional impact upon them, the events of what was happening. Whereas Miguel, right from the outset, just seems to be suicidal. And at the end, spoiler, his sacrifice isn't particularly satisfying in any way. Um, I honestly really like it. Um, because Day of the Dead really just plunges you into the future. And you kind of have to fill in the blanks with your imagination. So I imagine that Miguel and Sarah were quite amicable at the beginning of this, but after so many of their um, army companions have died and all the, I'm assuming, really gross shit they've seen, they are now broken. And Sarah and Miguel now aren't really together out of love, but they're really together. Sarah's really staying with him out of pity. Uh, and out of obligation. They aren't getting anything from one another, but they still feel compelled uh, to be with one another. Um, And that's really Sarah's character. She's just trying to hold together and just keep trucking along. Uh, And then we get that scene where we see that she has a nightmare in the room, and Miguel says, you're just as afraid as the rest of us. Um, She, like... There's that scene where he slaps her, and obviously not a great thing to do. Um, But while watching that, it's just like he is so mentally drained, and obviously she should leave him, but she just keeps trucking along because she just hopes that there's some good out of all this. I don't think it was supposed to be like, aw, they're so cute. Um, But it was just more like like they just 
trying anything really in their power to just even like out of pity we'll just keep going i suppose like as that sort of emblem of romance in in an apocalypse it's it's all right i just found that number one their relationship was extremely unconvincing and then number two aside from a few snide remarks from the other characters in the film it's not really something that has much of effect on the plot or any of the events and proceedings. So I don't know. It just felt strange and out of place to me. I I think if you rewrote the script uh, and you took out those lines of imp inti that imply intimacy between the two, then nobody would even notice. Um. Yeah. I think it's just like adding little human flourishes. Like honestly, the Miguel and Sarah stuff maybe take up like less than 10 minutes of the movie and where i've had a lot of the problems especially with the gods must be crazy is that took up like a third of the goddamn movie well um, and they live it takes off like it takes up like 20 seconds there's like no holly as a character in terms of being a romantic indoor she's not you know there's not much time to devote it to their love no i know in that movie i just hated that the holly character uh, in this movie, I don't hate any of the characters. Um, and in this movie, it's just like, it's so hard. Like, I don't know, to me, like, I just really sympathize with these characters that obviously aren't happy together, but they just keep going just like, I don't know, just so we can have this little thing, I guess. Um, right. And there, there are little human flourishes here and there. Like, did you notice, for example, like, Rickles has a wedding ring on, but obviously he doesn't have a wife around. Uh, there are just little things like that. No, I didn't actually notice that, but those are some nice touches. And that's kind of, that kind of attention to detail that, of course, people tend to like about George Romero. And I yeah. guess we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the special effects in this film. Oh, God. So let's, let's talk about them because I do, they are quality. And I think that, especially in comparison to Dawn, that they're a big leap forward uh, artistically and technologically. You kind of you set the mood early because the title, uh, like the title card for this film so good. Day of the Dead and you have this totally eviscerated zombie where his entire bottom half of his face is gone. And he just mm -hmm. has his tongue like dangling out the front of his throat. And it's a great looking piece. And the zombies in this look great. It departs heavily. And if you're a fan of the aesthetic in Dawn of the Dead, where everybody was basically just a regular crazy looking person with sort of white face paint on, this one totally ditches that and goes for a full realistic sort of vibe. The, mm -hmm. the special effects are done by the same person. Savini. Savini. Tom Savini from Dawn of the Dead. So he stepped his game up quite a bit. And that's not to say the effects of Dawn are not good as well. They're good in this as well. Um, and there's especially, they're especially showcased at the very end of the movie when several of the army men are killed, like three or so four. Good. And some may call it gratuitous. This is probably the exact thing that Siskel and Ebert would have been pissed about <laughs> when they reviewed it on uh, Good Morning America or whatever the fuck in 1985. <laughs> Because it's just like one minute scenes of each character being ripped apart uh, and as gruesomely as possible with like their eyelids getting torn off and mm -hmm. like their fingers being bitten off. It looks really, really good. Um, only problem I have is at the end when Jim, uh, when Rhodes is being uh, torn in half and they rip his legs off like it's uh, a piece of paper. I'm not really sure if that's how human anatomy works. I think you need a little bit more than three people pulling on a guy's leg to rip him in half. Yeah, the the effects in this are so good. Um, they really pulled out the stops for this movie. Like they had quite a few animatronic heads in this. Some looked better than others. Like I don't know if you know this, but the title scroll or title card um, zombie that was an animatronic. I did not know that. There, you, um, I, I, I could tell during some of the death scenes, for example, when one of the army men is being decapitated by the zombie, you could tell that it yeah. was an animatronic. But it was all well done. Yeah, um, I have a Blu-ray copy of this movie, and um, Caitlin and I had time, so after the movie we watched some of the special features, and there were like behind-the-scenes footage, and it was like real behind-the-scenes footage. I hate when you watch a movie, and it has like this high-quality production value behind-the-scenes stuff. I, I hate that so much. <laughs> it's like uh, 
it's like and then it, all the ca- cast looks so good and they're all happy and they're doing funny blooper stuff and it's such yeah. a such a nice environment where we would have no lawsuits or any <laughs> or any sort of workplace harassment or sexual harassment suits filed you know it's just a fun <laughs> happy place where we could all have fun shoot a movie you know yeah um and they were showing off like the animatronic heads and it, they look so good oh my god and like Every character in this movie that gets kind of like a like a side character zombie or whatever that gets a close up, they all have like their own unique uh, makeup on, and it looks fantastic. They have so many squibs in this movie, so many headshots, just like in Dawn of the Dead. But the squibs look even better in this movie. Um, there's like one goofy moment, and it's at the end of the movie where we see all the carnage. You get that big payoff, and like. It shows inside Frankenstein's lab, and then it looks like someone just, like, squirts a ketchup bottle on the wall. I I don't know if you noticed that, but it looks really goofy, and every time I see it, it I, like, try to cope with it, and I really can't. It sucks. Um, and, and that's at which point in the film? It's at the end. Like, when after they've killed Rhodes. Uh, they're just... Yeah, I don't know. That was weird. Um, like, the zombies eating flesh, it looks like Oh, it looks so gross and real. And I forget if it was for this movie or Dawn of the Dead. But when they rip... I think it might have been Dawn. Shit. But when they either rip Rhodes or Flyboy in Dawn of the Dead, um, they use cow guts that had gone bad. Uh, oh, I Because see. like they were stored in a, a freezer or whatever, and the freezer died or something. I forget. It was one of the two. Uh, e- either way, that's kind of interesting trivia i think but yeah savini pulled out all the stops for this movie like he's got that shovel kill which looks so fucking good oh my god that was a nice little reanimator callback even though i think reanimator <laughs> came came out after this plagiarist <laughs> yeah that looks so so good and like the stuff where like they rip off his legs. I definitely I can appreciate how that might break your suspension of disbelief. But for me, like with just like campy characters and just kind of a campy theme of zombies, anyways. I mean, you want to have a cool. You want to just be grossed out by some cool gore, and that's what they did. And it's all entertaining to me. No, you know what? I don't mind a little bit, of, a little bit of the indulgence. In fact, on my second rewatch, I was, I was kind of looking forward to those scenes just in terms of a visual effects exposition. Mm-hmm. The thing though is that, like, you allude to the campy elements of the film, and and I get that. But one of the things that I love so much about Dawn of the Dead, and I guess you have to kind of excuse um, my referencing Dawn of the Dead quite a bit. This is a, what I call Dark Knight Rises syndrome. Where <laughs> Where, you know, how can you even compete with what you just did? So it's not going to look very good and everyone's going to compare <laughs> it. But, you know, it's in Dawn of the Dead, everything was so convincing. And it didn't really feel like a campy movie, so to speak. It had elements like that. But the movie was so compelling and and that I took it very seriously because... What about the end? Of Day of the Dead? Dawn. Uh, Do you think it's campy at the end? Yeah, when uh, Tom Savini and his biker gang comes in and they're throwing pies at zombies' faces and shit. Oh, I didn't mind that. I mean, I don't know if I would... (laughs) That was goofy, but that was like a small contained moment that didn't really go through the rest of the film, you know? It was... Okay. It was just something you have here with this biker gang, and you see some of them get ripped apart, some of them are just goofing off, um, and that sort of leads to the climax of the film. I don't know. This It just didn't work as well for me here. That's fair. Um, you know, what one thing I love about this movie, um, I don't know if they did it the best, but the soundtrack in this movie is very, very good. Interesting. I love like we talked about this the other day, like eighties horror movies where they would just have this synth heavy music. Um, this movie has that, and at one point, I don't know if you noticed it on your second viewing, there's one scene where they play the gonk theme from Dawn of the Dead, like, da-dun-dun-dun, I did They played that. When was that? Um, that's when I think we first see Bub, uh, or the second time, and they also make a reference in this movie, the Dawn of the Dead, where they say, all the malls have closed. Yeah, that was a nice little callback when they said, and the shopping malls are closed. And he said, quit mm-hmm. joking around. 
No, yeah, the score is pretty, pretty decent in this film. I, I wasn't, um, it's, it is the very much the synth-heavy horror soundtrack, and it's done well, and it's used effectively. I don't think it has anything as memorable, memorable as the gong theme from Dawn of the Dead, mm-hmm. uh, but it's, but this, it's, it's a nice uh, compliment to the film. We brushed over it earlier. I want to bring it back because I love Bub's character in this movie so much. I love Bub too. He's he's king. Bub is king. He is. Um, he, and I don't like. I, I think I've told you this before, but like the only logical sequel to this movie would have been like a Planet of the Apes situation. Um, if you don't know, so basically Frankenstein. All of the scientists were kind of doing their own thing, trying to, like, Sarah was trying to look for a cure um, and reverse a process, but Frankenstein was looking for, like, doing the best with what you got, and he wanted to rehabilitate the zombies. Um, and his star pupil was a zombie that he named Bub after his father, and we see later on that in one of his tapes that he's calling himself Mother, um, and you get some weird uh, <laughs> psychoanalysis stuff there. Um, but he's trying to rehabilitate Bub and we see that he still has some of his instincts. Like he gives him a razor and he tries shaving his face. He just shaves off, you know, skin off his face. Um, and he gives him a phone and says like, say hello to your Aunt Alicia. And then he kind of says, hello, Aunt Alicia. And it's kind of interesting. And then we see Rhodes comes in and, um, Bub puts up a salute, um, and then he gives him an empty gun, and because Rhodes didn't salute him back, Bub takes the empty gun, shoots it at, or points it at him, tries pulling the trigger, and then when no bullet comes out, he looks confused. And that kind of sets up what happens later in the movie uh, really well. I, like, Bub is kind of really the star in this movie. I, I was gonna, I have to agree with you. In fact, one of the things that I thought about Bub and why I like his character, that his character is in the third and final film of the chapter is because it seems like the logical end point for the zombies. At, earlier in the film, Dr. Logan mentions that they're outnumbered humans to zombies, one to 400,000. Yeah. So obviously, Planet of the Apes kind of situation is what you have in mind, Planet of the Zombies. So I thought that was a nice sort of progression. I don't like the idea of like watching a zo- Planet of the Apes with zombies because that would just be like people with no arms being you know like yeah acting like people like that's not to say people who don't have arms are not people but you know what i mean yeah uh so that was interesting i do enjoy the bob plot line quite a bit it's 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 in in terms of the hammy aspects i like that and dr logan as a whole in terms character wise that he takes such a liking to bob and that bob forms an emotional attachment with him um mm-hmm. and i mean we have the one of the my favorite part of the movie is this is final confrontation with Rhodes. Yeah. Of course, it's great. Uh, after zombies have overrun the facility, Rhodes is, is tr- trying to make his escape, and he bumps into Bub, who discovered Dr. Logan's dead body earlier and managed to pick up a gun. Uh, mm-hmm. And Bub pops off a couple of shots into Rhodes, and then Rhodes is like about to die, is about to f- shoot back, and Bub shoots him back into a horde of zombies, and then they rip him alive. And the best part is and I think this is and I like to think that this is Romero's anti-military sentiment, but he has a he has Bub salute at him in like kind of a fuck you way, uh, yeah. as Rhodes is being ripped apart, and I thought that was great. Bub, uh, I love that so much. Bub for president, he's a great character. <laughs> and then we we joked about when we watched it, like after Bob knows how to like. Uh, use a gun and like shave his face and he knows how to pick up a copy of Salem's Lot. He's walking around these these animals feasting on human flesh and he's just like, oh, he just pities them. Yeah. You can definitely, he, he's definitely the uh, Caesar if we're liking it to the Dawn of the Apes uh, or Planet of the Apes prequel trilogy. He's going to be the leader of the zombie men. Yeah. Um, one thing, one thing I, and I, I actually think that a great scene in this movie was when he d- does discover Doctor Logan's death. Did I? I didn't. Did I? I didn't already touch on this. Did I? No. No. So it's it's a great scene because you really it's what's happening is he's seeing this creature's uh, this creature experience grief for the first time. He sees Doctor Logan and he slowly just kind of loses it and he starts tantruming and raging about because 
you know, and, and it's, it's, it's a very easily visual uh, analogy to like Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein, mm-hmm. Frankenstein's monster. But it's a genuinely poignant moment and it's well acted. I have to give credit to the actor who plays Bob because he does an excellent job at playing a zombie who is also kind of a human. I would like to see if he's been credited. If he's credited, like in the movie? Yeah, he must be credited. He is, yeah. Uh, he is... Wait, let me see if I can find him. Uh, his name is Sherman Howard. Sherman Howard. He's a good yeah. job, Mr. Howard. By the way, uh, RIP to Joseph Pilato. He actually did die earlier this year, as I just found out earlier today. Did he? He did. He passed in March. Oh, shit. So uh, this this episode's for him. Yeah, you know what? Fair enough. Uh... Another couple of things I want to touch on about the film. Um, I don't think this movie is as good looking as Dawn of the Dead. And I think that may be due to a couple reasons. Number one, the emphasis on special effects, which, of course, is, is no problem to me because they are executed very well. But that might take away from some of the more artistic sort of vision he had if he didn't have to showcase those special effects per se. And that's not to say that he had to compromise any of his vision for the gore. But I think that a lot of the visual appeal and, and sort of interesting cinematography from Dawn of the Dead is lost. It's very emblematic for me when the initial, the first shot of Dawn of the Dead, which I love so much, is that red shag carpet that looks like blood droplets or something. Mm-hmm. And that's just a great visual metaphor for what the theme of the film is and what's going on in the film. Whereas in Day of the Dead, you get a, a, a decent special effects sort of expose. And that's that's kind of the focus of that. So the, to me, it's kind of the, it shows the shift right there when you have the two title cards, where one is this very simple but uh, stylized shot, and the other one is a special effects showcase. Yeah, that's fair enough. I thought you were gonna talk about like color scheme or or something like that because like the first movie was black and white. Dawn of the Dead was very very colorful, uh, and this movie is kind of like a classic gray green, um, dark movie. Well, you know what the thing is, they weren't given a lot of room to breathe, I suppose, in that sense, because George Romero chose basically one locale for the entire film, which is this underground mm-hmm. compa- compound. And I don't know if you guys have been to Area 51, but I can't imagine it's sunshine and lollipops over there. <laughs> so I don't mind that aspect. I think there wasn't as many notable great shots as I found in Dawn of the Dead, stuff that really, really you could just look at and you know sort of every frame of painting kind of deal but um i don't know it was it was a more understated visual film i suppose it's a pretty dialogue heavy film i would say more so than dawn of the dead uh, yeah. so that so that could be a reason why do you think the end part was a dream um i don't uh if okay we're, if we're talking about so at the end uh the people managed to get away are uh, bill mcdermott um, you have the black guy and you have Dr. Sarah Bowman. Uh, and you see her... Actually, what happens is they make their escape to the top of the helipad. And as she gets in, she's attacked by a zombie. And then she wakes up. And she finds that she's actually on a beach somewhere. Um, they're fishing. And she's just lying next to the helicopter in the sand. I don't think it's a... I don't think it is a dream. Although I could totally interpret it that way. I guess Night of the Dead had a tragic ending. Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead kind of had a hopeful ending. And I suppose this one kind of does too. I don't think it's a dream just because, like, it's not like Taxi Driver where they're in a situation where it's like, yeah, it's likely he's dreaming this and also this doesn't make sense. It seems fairly plausible to me that they would escape. The reason I say that is because at the beginning of the movie, when they come back from their helicopter ride, um, John says, fill fill up the the helicopter, and Sarah says, no, don't. Do it later at night. And they say, okay. Um, And later, when they make their escape, and they're going to the helicopter, I think John or Bill says, hopefully they filled up the helicopter the other night. And Sarah says, oh, shit. Oh. And and then, uh, so I don't know. Um, either way, it, I, it's a it's just a funny ending that their moral at the end was. And John brings it up earlier in the movie is just let's just screw all this. Let's just go somewhere, get drunk, 
make some babies and tell them to never come back here. And That's interesting. I didn't think of it in that light. I I I'm I don't know if I'm totally convinced that it was a dream because I would I think I would like to think there would be like a little bit more alluding to that. I like to think mm-hmm. it's just chance or this is maybe kind of the hopeful note that Romero wanted to end it on because this is also a pretty be- bleak film. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. That's interesting. I'll have to I'll have to ruminate about it. I'll tell you guys next cop episode after I've gone into deep thought what I think. Um, and there there are a couple... Again, you know what? I'm not fully satisfied. I want to talk about the special effects so, um, more because they're so good. Okay. Um, like, uh, this scene, there's two scenes, one of Miguel in a dream and one when Sarah's looking at Frankenstein's, uh, one of his specimens, where he leans over and his chest is open and then all of his guts fall out. And I'm like, oh, it looks so good. Um, what else was there? Um, there's just like so many, when, um, Frankenstein has like the decapitated zombie head of one of the army dudes and his like eyes are still moving and his jaws still moving. Um, and in Frankenstein's lab, there's this bright lime green, um, liquid and Caitlin's like, oh shit, is that the reagent? And I was like, maybe he's, uh, he's <laughs> reanimating. Oh, he's... <laughs> Dr. Logan is Herbert West. Yeah, dude. Let me let me just put a little reagent here. Let me see what happens. <laughs> let me just put a little reagent into your roads. It looks yeah, like you're gonna cut there. No, it'll help. I promise. It'll it'll patch you right up. It'll be painless. <laughs> but yeah, there and there's like great comedy moments too. Like when Frankenstein walks in on this big meeting and he's like, "Is there food?" And then, uh, like, he just keeps asking this question over and over again. And, like, he has this confrontation with Rhodes where he just kind of out-talks him. Uh, it's so funny. And, like, even the scene that I think is really funny uh, where uh, Frankenstein shows Bub music for the, fir- or for the first time again. He shows him Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. I think that's where Ode to Joy comes from. Uh... And like he kind of had like his eyes widen up as the chorus comes on. It's like it's so campy. It's so funny. It's pretty good. I have a question for you because I actually couldn't figure this out. Um, my legally purchased copy of the film did not come with subtitles for some reason. Not really sure how that happened. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really sure what the hell Rhodes said when he was dying at the end of the film. Choke on him. It's a choke on him. Okay. Yeah. I was trying Which to is just like, so funny. That is that is funny, and that is very in character, and it's a fitting yeah. end for him. I wasn't sure if he was alluding to something he had said earlier in the film, but th- thanks for clearing it up because I had no idea. I, I didn't watch it with with subtitles, and there was one line that I still don't know what the hell they were saying, so I have to go back and watch it. One thing that really irked me, I, I, mm, I guess this is a jab at the movie, a slight one. It's not going to affect grading, but... Um, the S's in this movie are very harsh. Uh, like, anytime they said, like, an S, it would be like, S-. I don't know how to explain it. Just very harsh. No, like an I, old recording of a song. I get it. Uh, you might be tripping, though. I didn't notice that, so. That Damn. Was... <laughs> I'm sorry, man. You just got it crazy. <laughs> Shit. I guess that's just an audio engineering sound mixing mishap, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah, it doesn't matter that much. Uh, I have to give yeah. uh, George Romero credit. He finally gave zombies credit. Uh, and there's like a big paragraph of zombie extras that I think were deemed key. Um, and he, that he gives credit to in the credit sequence of the film. Unlike in Dawn of the Dead, when where they got no money and they got no recognition at all. He- yeah, the uh, workers' rights kind of made a big stride in those seven years between Dawn of the Dead and Night uh, and Day of the Dead, where he wasn't paying them donuts and coffee uh, <laughs> to be in the movie. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I wonder if he picked that one up from. Uh, I guess Gods Must Be Crazy picked that one up from uh, Dawn of the Dead. I wish it when you could make a film so cheap back in the seventies and eighties by just exploiting workers. Uh, and people who don't know any better it's you know it's just one of the those are the days it's just one of the luxuries we don't have in 2020 it's unfortunate 
Um, shit, I was gonna say something. I totally forgot. I got um, nothing. I have nothing else to say about the film. The outro song is uh, the is another small qualm I have with the film. It's 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 good until the end when the vocals come in. That I it didn't sit well with me. You don't have vocals. You don't have a song song in this kind of movie. You know, this is serious shit. This isn't Frozen, okay? <laughs> it's no joke. Right. It's no joke. Yeah, I don't know what... Maybe you just have an issue with vocals, because we were watching Star Trek, and you were taking the piss at the uh, vocal version of the theme song. So, just cool it, okay? That, that... Well, it's just not... You know, it's just not appropriate. Like, it just doesn't fit. Right. You know, it works in... Uh, in other things that are just not this. Yeah. Um, anyway, I would say I really enjoyed this movie. Um, it's just like... In terms of effects, it's just like a marvel to look at. Unless you have a weak stomach, then it's uh, not very nice to look at. Um, the cinematography is really dark, especially at the end of the movie when they're running through the tunnels and it's basically just like black, red, and blue. Um, that was pretty nice. Um, there's like, and the little campy touches too, even then, like when they're running through the tunnels and then there's like the bats squeaking about as they fly around them. Uh, I don't know. It's like, it's the campier of the three, honestly. Um, and also simultaneously, like the most gruesome of the three. Uh, and it just works for me. I don't know. I, I just have fun watching it. It's a, I would say it's a definitely an enjoyable movie. It's my least favorite of the three, but I don't think it's bad per se. I just think that it's a step down from night and dawn. Um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't call it a disappointment because to me, having these three movies together they touch on different themes and it's sort of an anthology anyway so i wasn't hoping for the conclusive ending to the whole zombie human saga but mm -hmm. uh i think i think if you're a zombie enthusiast you might enjoy this or a romero enthusiast yeah and this movie again like other than like the shopping malls in dawn of the dead there's nothing like tying this movie to any point of time like this movie could come out today and and you could say it's set in modern day people yeah, probably believe you you're right actually except they use cassette tapes movie dated it's over i'm sorry well because people use that now only hipsters use that like you uh, what <laughs> and me uh yeah those are those are just i have those ironically yeah, yeah, they're ironic purchases, gotcha. You ready to go to bags? Hell yeah. All right, let's hear them. Nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. Bold. I like this movie. I like it. I gave I Not a Living Dead an eight, and I just I like it just a slight bit more, but a slight bit less than Dawn of the Dead. I like it um, decidedly less than Night of the Living Dead, but still enjoyable. Some are calling it the new four bags. It's got to be three bags. <laughs> three bags for Day it. of the Dead. All right, fair enough. Uh, so, next show we're doing Dazed and Confused. Mm -hmm. And this is a grand reveal because next month is all Matt's picks. What are we doing after that? Um, after that, so first pick, and I'm going to reveal them week by week. Uh, after that, I decided we're going to go for another documentary. Okay. And for this, I think this one will be interesting. Some have called it better than the film Chronicles, but it's Hearts of Darkness, a filmmaker's Ooh. apocalypse. Yeah. Nice. It's going to, it's going to be fresh. That, yeah, is... Uh, I own a copy of that, so we can watch it t together. I could just lend it to you. Yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah. Uh, shit. Yeah, that'll be great. Um, so yeah. Uh, little shill here. Instagram is caught podcast, all one word. Uh, you can find it on Spotify, Apple Music, or umfm.com, whichever is convenient to you. If you're listening to it on a platform that is inconvenient. Uh, I don't really yeah, give it. I don't really give a damn about the uh, the convenience. Just you have to watch this stuff, <laughs> right. right? Okay, it's not a joke. Fair enough. When I tell you to, when I tell you something, I mean that shit. I know you do. All right.
Uh, you want to? Do we have time for a post bagger? A post bagger? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> elaborate. When we just talk after the bags. Yeah, we got time. We got time for the post bag section. <sighs> What's new with you? Uh, not, nothing much, you know. I mean, let's 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 have some real talk here. When has anyone ever said anything too interesting, or how often do people say something too interesting when you say what's new? Like, there's well, an... here's my okay. Here's the issue with the what's new is that usually when people ask you that, it's someone who you don't frequently talk to, so you don't have any frame of reference for what is old to them, so then you, and you don't want to just guess things, so then you just stick with the, uh, nothing much, what about you? So, I have a frame of reference for you, so you tell me now, what is new, god damn it. Um, you know what, uh, you know what's new? Nothing much, I, uh... <laughs> I uh, ate a peanut butter sandwich today. I also had a little bit of popcorn. Had a Coke Zero. Went to the comic book store. Uh, I, I don't have a lot going on in my life right now. So you kind What of, did you get? What kind of comics did I get? Yeah. Just my pull. Just my subscriptions. What? what? Green Lantern. Adventure Man. That sounds better than it is. I mean, it is better than it sounds. <laughs> Adventure Man and his sidekick, uh, Man with Superpowers. <laughs> super Boy. A super... <laughs> um, I also I got that Superman giant that I talked about. Classic Superman. Mm -hmm. uh, what else did I get? I got the new issue of Cobra that came out. Um, let me see what else. Um, I got uh, the new bas. Oh, the last issue of Basket Full of Heads. That's gonna be fun. Is that a horror comic? It is. Yeah, it's by uh, it's by Joe Hill, who is the son of Stephen King. Huh. And uh, I also got the new issue of X Men. Yeah. New. Yeah. Uh, is this a good X Men series or a crap? Is this like Powers of Ten X Men? This is Powers of Ten slash House of X x-men by john oh so it's Kino. it is yes it's it's a very high quality um how many more are they gonna do do you know how many more issues it's an ongoing so hopefully it goes on forever but it'll probably last a couple of years mm. but uh yeah is, is it gonna be like switching hands with writers or is it gonna be predominantly the writers that i read their works that did make sense, but you know what I mean. No, I hope. I mean, the thing with the run, the idea of the run in comics is that it's one story told by one writer. I, I don't think they would have another writer come in and start telling Hickman's story. But some of the spin-offs are written by other writers, of course, because he can't do it all. But we'll see. Hmm. I was gonna reread Bone tonight if I have the time. <laughs> yeah, Bone. Uh, that one's a favorite of uh, my manager too. There, uh, you guys have that in common. Those are the only comics you've ever read. Is Bone? It's so good. You know, it is pretty good. But you haven't read Bone since you were like seven. Uh, that's not true. I'm gonna say this: Bone is it good? Yeah, but you know, it's it's no it's no Miracle Man. Is it kind of normie-ish? It's kind of normy. It's like it's kind of like saying like, yeah, one of my favorite comics is Garfield. <laughs> like we've all read Garfield, but you know, we you're you're supposed to dig a little deeper than that, right? Yeah. Um, are we gonna ever do an episode on the pipe strip? No. Okay. So yeah. Well, that's gonna be one of my picks. Uh, the pipe strip video, I mean. Yeah, I know what I said. Oh, I know what I said. And we'll just uh, see what happens. <laughs> okay, nice. Nice. Uh, what's new with me? Uh, playing RuneScape, leveling up my fire making. It's not really, that, not really that new. Um, none of you guys added me and gave me money, so I'm kind of pissed. Uh, I, don't think I don't think any of our listeners have RuneScape. Well... Okay, well, not really my fault. Yeah, it's not, but I just, you know, you should temper your expectations a little bit better. 
Yeah, well, we'll see. Um, okay, that's all I got. Um, Days and Confused next week. Get excited. Matt, you got anything else? No, not really. Um, hey, you know how you know how we be. Shout out to everybody out there doing their thing. Um, yeah. All right, all right, see you later. <laughs> all right, see you later. <laughs>